Well, if you have the bulletin today and you'll see the outline, uh, you see I got seven points, so you all pray for me that my memory holds up. But uh, if you notice the title, Be Steadfast, Not Shaken. You know, we, we live in a world that is uh, constantly in turmoil. You know, I, I want us to pray before we leave here for that, high, that school there in Santa Fe, Texas. We need to pray for the school here in, in uh, Parkland, uh, Florida. We need to pray for the folks in Hawaii that uh, the volcano uh, is erupting all over the place. I think they got 17 places now where lava is coming out. And it just goes on and on and on. And I tell you what, if each of you in here this morning would, would stand up and just share a short testimony, I guarantee you there's something in your life that's not going as you'd like it to be. But you know, Jesus is our rock. And we're, we're supposed to be steadfast, not shaken. So this morning, I want to spend a few minutes and give you seven ways that you can be steadfast and not be shaken. Seven commitments, seven principles. Now the first question I would ask you is, are you growing in your everyday life? But the question I really want to ask you this morning, are you growing in your spiritual life? You see, the spiritual life is more important than the, your everyday life. Your physical life is temporal. Folks, believe it or not, either Jesus is going to come and take us all out of here, boom, or we're going to get older and we're going to leave this earth. And then we're going to go be with Jesus. So what's more important is that you grow in your spiritual life. Because that's an eternal life. This life is, everything you can see in here is temporal. So my question today is, are you growing, and have you grown as a Christian since you've been saved? Now, if you're not growing every day, now I can honestly say that I grow every day. I'm on the upward smile. Just a few weeks ago, a few months ago before I came here, I weighed about 205. Now eating at all those McDonald's, trying to save church money, I now weigh 215. But in a few months, I'll be going backwards again, and then I'll go forwards, and then I'll go backwards. We're always moving. But so many people in their spiritual life, they take three steps forward and two steps back. And so really, sometimes it's just like if you're in the military and you're marching in place. Those of us who've been in the military know what that, that is when it says marching in you're marching, you're keeping all the cadence, you may be even singing a cadence song, but you're not going anywhere. And there's so many Christians today who are not going anywhere. So this morning, my goal is to share with you seven commitments that you can make. Seven commitments that you can make that will help you to perpetually and continually go forward. Now what I've done today is I've personalized them for you. I've all put them in the first person. The first commitment, if you're going to go forward and grow in Christ, that you need to make, and it should be up here on the screen, there it is, I will meet for worship weekly. Now, I was going to fill in the blank, but they're helping you out. So it's, <laughs> I will meet for worship weekly. Now, the scripture that goes along, along with it, and we're, pre and we're speaking today out of Hebrews uh, chapter 12 and 13. And the first scripture is, and I'm preaching out of the NIV this morning, and so I've asked them to put it up on the screen, and they have. They're doing a good job. Now, look at this. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I asked Patrick to sing that song this morning, that we will not be shaken. No, we're going to be like rocks, but the kingdom cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Folks, I hope that you're here this morning 
in reference. In reverence. I hope that you're here this morning in awe, expecting something from God. Now, worship is not something that you drop into and drop out of. Worship needs to be consistent. You know, in a world, as I mentioned, that it's so easy to be shaken. You can be happy today and be miserable tomorrow. It's important for you to be anchored. It's important for you to be anchored to the church as a Christian. It's not optional to worship. You know, when the church meets together, we meet with God. Why have we come here this morning? We've come here to praise God. We've come here to worship. We've come here to be reminded about the love of God. And we've come here to help one another to grow in Christ. Now, worship is not optional. You know, over there at Hebrews uh, chapter 13, no, chapter 10, verse 25, it says, Do not forsake the assembling yourself together as a habit of some is, especially as you see that day drawing near. The day it's talking about is the day of the Lord. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to share one thing with you today. Christ is closer to coming this morning than he was yesterday. And he's closer to coming this morning than he was on Friday. And tomorrow, he'll be closer Tomorrow than he is today. He's coming back. Now, if you ever read Matthew 24, it tells you what the end times will be like. And Jesus said, when you see this and this and this and this. Ladies and gentlemen, I was having a conversation this week, and I'm seeing Matthew 24 played out. Now, Jesus said at that time, when you see these things, the time is close, but it's not yet. But, you know, he also said that when you see the fig bloom, the fig bloom, bloom, the fig tree bloom, that generation will not pass away. Ladies and gentlemen, the fig tree is an analogy for Israel. And Israel bloomed in 1948. And the generation of 1948 will not pass away before Christ's return. So it's very close. So we come this morning to worship. And the Bible says, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the habit of some is. And if you read the next verse, and we have a tendency not to read the next verse. We read John 3, 16, and we stop. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we stop. But the next verse says, think not that I've come in the world to judge the world, because the world's already been judged. He came in to save the world, to save those who receive him, as our Lord and Savior. So if you read the next verse after chapter 10, verse 25, it says, For when we go on sinning willfully, what's the willful sin? Forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. When the church gathers to worship, I'm not talking about committee meetings. I'm not talking about other things. But I'm talking about on the Lord's day when we meet as a church to worship. We ought to be here. Unless we're providentially hindered. Now, for 20 years when I was on staff at the main campus, I had a group of men that met with me every Thursday. In fact, another fellow's leading them, but they're still meeting on Thursday. Praise Jesus. They're still meeting. And I told them, say, guys, if I get up at 5 o'clock to meet with you at 6 and teach you the Bible, I expect you to be here, unless you're providentially hindered. You ask any of these fellas, what does it mean to be providentially hindered? <laughs> you ready for a Greek word? Just show you that I have been to seminary. It means dead. If you're dead, that's an acceptable excuse. You can't be here if you're dead. 
But just because maybe you stayed out too late and you're tired. Now, I don't, I, I don't mean don't take vacations. I don't mean, you know, there, there's, you know, if you're sick. If you're sick, please don't come till you're healed. And if you come to have prayer for your healing, meet with us outside and don't breathe on us. <laughs> but you ought to be here. Because worship is important. Now, when the church comes together and we worship, we're not going to be shaken as the world's shaking us. But I'm going to tell you, you know what will shake you? Untruth. But truth is found in united worship. Today, you're going to hear truth. Where will shake you is uncertainty. You don't know what direction to go. Where certainty is found united worship. You know, I've often thought, what would have happened in my life in October of 1980 if I had decided to stay home and not go to the evening worship? If I had decided to do that, I wouldn't be here this morning. Because I went to that worship service that I shared with you with no expectations other than to go and meet with the saints and hear a message. And that service changed my life and changed my direction. You know, when you don't meet for worship, you miss the blessings of God. Sometimes we, we have terror, but peace is found in united worship. Hostility. But loving fellowship is found in united worship. Folks, when you worship, you feel and sense the presence of God. You know, I've had so many people tell me over the years, you know, when I go to church, I feel good. And I'm talking people who don't know Christ. And they said, how come I feel so good in, in church? Are you all feeling good today? You know why you're feeling good? Because you may be sitting beside a Christian who's spirit-filled this morning. And the Spirit's just splashing all over you. And you're feeling good. So, one of the commitments we need to make is, I will meet weekly to worship God and be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. But the second commitment, if you're going to grow in Christ, is I will share my faith with a friend. Whoops. They put it wrong. It's my share my faith. But let me jump over here to the third point I have, and I'll come back. See, my messages are like a piece of cake. You can just cut them wherever you want to. I will find my place of service. All right? Let's look at the Scripture. Hebrews 13.3. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who have mistreated as if you yourself were suffering. I got to start reading slower. You know, when the writer of Hebrews says, remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, the implication is that you have to move out of the safe security of your home the security of church, you got to get out there amongst them. Now, there are a lot of people in prison. Folks, uh, there's the people who are in prison, they're in a spiritual prison. They're bound. They're, they're in prison to drugs. They're in prison to anger. 
They're in, 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 in prison of a listless life. Let, let me share something with you. You got to get out of your comfort zone. You, you've got to be willing to go out and put your place in the church or outside of the church in a place of service. God never called us to sit. This morning as I was teaching that witnessing class, I reminded him, he says, you, you know, go. Go into all the world. We are God's ambassadors. We are God's reconcilers. There are so many people who are in prison don't even know they're in prison. They're, they're in prison sometimes for material goods. They're, 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 they're in, in, in locked in, in, in prisons of lostness. You know, something about prisoners, they can't come to you. They can't. They're locked up. But you can go to them. You meet people every day. You rub elbows every day with people who need a touch of kindness, a touch of love. They need to see Jesus in you. You may be the only Bible, and this is an old cliche, but you may be the only Bible anybody ever sees. So we got, we got to leave the four walls of this church. We got to leave the four walls of our house. We got to get out there amongst them, and we need to be there to help them. To help them to know the love of Christ. So I have it as second. In my notes, I have it as a third, but you got to find your place of service. But let's see if they got the second one and the third. They just make stuff. So let's go to the, to the next one, the, the third point, please. Yeah, here we go. They got that twice. No, they got that once. Are you confused like I am? I'll tell you. I'm not going to let it bother me. This is an unusual service. Normally I do two points, three points, and a poem, and we're done. This week I got seven points. But anyway, I will share my faith with a friend. The scripture says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Do you know that, and this may shock you, but do you know that people-friendly churches do not grow? We would say that we're a friendly church, right? I, I, I relearned this principle when I retired and moved to Sebring, Florida, and we went to a local church, and it is a friendly church. It really is. Now, my wife and I were strangers. And we walked in that church. We were looking for a church. And everybody, when we first came in, said, how are you doing? Good to see you. They shook our hand. They were friendly. Then we had our worship service, and at the end of the service, my wife and I stood up, and nobody spoke to us. They all got in their little huddles and their relationships, and they were friendly, but we were strangers. My wife and I and I were talking about that recently. We felt like outsiders. No, we've got to share our faith with our friends, and who is our friend? Who is our neighbor? The stranger. 
we need, we need to make strangers feel welcome. We need to be looking for strangers. We need to learn how to share our faith. And we need, we need to go out into the highways and the byways. And we need to compel them to come in. Now, don't get me wrong. Churches ought to be friendly. But not to the exclusion of strangers. We need to look for the stranger. We, look, we need to look for those faces we've never seen. And some people say, well, I'm afraid they might be a member a long time and I just don't know them. So what? I'll give you an opportunity to get to know them. So we need to meet for worship weekly. We need to share our faith with a friend. We need to find our place of service. And then, and then the fourth point, we need to build our marriages. There they are. Now, some of you all may not be married. So you have my, position, my permission to sleep for two minutes. Some of you may have been married and now widowed. I am so sorry for your loss. But you can sleep for four minutes. But the verse of Scripture says this. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulteress the adulterer, and all the sexual immorality. You know, there's a principle at work in our world, and it's this. If anything is left unattended, it will rust and decay. Marriages are the same way. You have to, you have to maintain your marriage. You have to work on your marriage. You have to, you have to accept a challenge of marriage and change, you know, marriage is a Never changing and always changing thing. I've been married 55 years. You think I would know about marriage, don't you? My wife's still teaching me. <laughs> I, I, tell, I, I mean, I told you about uh, Valentine's. She said, honey, we've been married 55 years. Let's not do anything for Valentine's. I said, okay. And I'm thinking, praise Jesus. I'm going to save some money. I get a Valentine's. That's a beautiful card. My wife wrote a lovely sentiment. I cried. And she says, where's my card? I said, honey, and I know I shared this with you, but some of you are strangers here this morning. And I said, you said, let's not do anything. She said, I mean, don't give each other a gift. I didn't say don't give each other a card. Well, she didn't give me. When, they, when you tell me don't do anything, I don't do anything. <laughs> I'm a typical male, okay? Well, how many of you all know that God will bless you even in bad situations? He does. She took a nap. I ran to the drugstore. I bought five boxes of covered chocolate cherries. I bought a big heart. <laughs> and guess what? It was in the afternoon at 3 o'clock, and everything was 70% off, so I saved a lot of money anyway. <laughs> but folks, you, gotta, you know, it's not hard to maintain your marriage. Let me just give you a few pointers I've learned. Once a week or twice a week, Take turns. Let the wife one time take the husband out. The next time the husband take the wife out for lunch or dinner or breakfast. And leave the kids at home. Get a babysitter. A couple times a year, get a babysitter and leave the kids at home. Go by yourself. Have a mini honeymoon. Never leave the house without a kiss and a hug and an I love you. 
The reason I walk funny and I'm so short is when I was about 27 years old, my brother-in-law, my wife's brother, asked me to do him a favor. I was off that day. We were expecting company. I told Dorothy, I'm going to run your brother to the parts store. He's got the wrong parts. He's redoing his car. And the parts store was only three miles from the house. And my daughter said, well, hurry, because a company will be here pretty soon. I said, I won't be gone but a short time. I never got back home. A drunk lady. Now, you all know what a drunk lady is. That's a lady who's drunk. I, I, I teach easy messages. I get confused on the point sometimes, but we won't count that. But she was driving on the wrong side of the road. I came around the curve, head-on collision. Brother-in-law went through the windshield. That was before seat belts. I'm an old guy. I remember those days. The steering wheel kept me from going through the windshield, but it hyper my leg, bent it in a direction I was supposed to go, and I was in pain until I had my knees replaced 40-something years later, almost 40, about 35. We didn't have cell phones, so I... And he's, my brother-in-law is laying on the sidewalk, and the police had been chasing the lady, and they called an ambulance, and the ambulance was waiting on the ambulance. I go to the house and knocked on the door and see if I could use the telephone to call Dorothy to let her know that I had an accident and totaled the car. And this lady was on her hands and knees scrubbing her kitchen floor, and I thought, what in the world is she doing? Here I am talking on the phone, and she's on her hands and knees by my feet, scrubbing the floor, and I looked down, and every time my heart pumped, blood was shooting out of my legs, out of my leg. Now, I didn't pass out until I got outside, because I'm a gentleman. <laughs> but we learned a lesson. We never leave each other's presence without telling, I love you, a kiss, and a hug. My wife couldn't come this week. But we've already been on the phone every day, even this morning, expressing our love to one another. Folks, build your marriage. Have eyes only for each other. Don't build your marriage around your kids, because guess what? They're going to leave you. And you're going to sit across the breakfast table one morning and be staring into the eyes of a stranger with nothing in common. So build your marriage. Be faithful. The next point, number five, I will give generously. The scripture says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Now, you know God loves a cheerful giver. Now, a lot of people don't like preachers to talk about money. They say, all those preachers do is talk about money. Well, not necessarily. I've been here six weeks. It's the first time I've mentioned it. I probably won't mention it again. But God loves a cheerful giver. But he'll take money from a grump, too. <laughs> but it's not that the church needs your money, because God's going to sustain his church. He said that. That's a promise. But you need to give for you. And i tell you what I've learned. I've learned that I can live better on 90% and give God his 10%. Than I can live by stealing his money because he gets it anyway. Flat tires, hospital, things, you know. I don't do well. But I do well. Now, am I rich? 
Oh, yeah, I'm rich. Yeah, I can't lie. I'm filthy rich, more filthy than rich. But the thing is, you be faithful to God, and he'll be faithful to you. He says, I will never leave you, never forsake you. Now, if you all have children, I hope you know this principle. I love to bless my children, my child. I really love to bless my grandchildren. <laughs> I really, really love to bless my great-grandchildren. In fact, we've changed our world. We're leaving everything, if we don't spend it, to our great-grandchildren. We've already helped our child and our grandchildren. But, here, but here's the thing. I don't bless my child or my grandchildren or my great-grandchildren when they misbehave. And when you're not faithful to God and you're not generous with God and, and, you're, and you're not living for God, you miss the blessings of God. You really do. It used to be over in the main campus, and they've quit doing this, but you know, all, all of y'all know I'm a nut, but I, 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 I preached a message one time. I said, I wish one time, you know, Giving is an act of worship. I wish one time, just one time, when we take up the offering, someone would say, praise God, we'll take up an offering. A couple of nuts started doing that. Then we was, you know, our budget went up. Not our budget, but our funds went up. I'm, I'm going to tell you, learn to live on the 70-30 principle, and you'll be blessed. 10% of your income belongs to God because he wants you to trust him and have faith that he'll take care of you. Now, that means you won't have problems, but he wants you to, he wants you to trust him. So 10% goes to God. 10% is, goes to a savings account for emergency. You know, your tires go out, your refrigerator goes out, you have them, you know, so 10%. And then 10% goes for your old age money. That's where I'm at now. I'm spending my old age money. But the thing is, you put 10% back. And if you'll do that, when you're my age, you'll have all the resources you need. And learn to live on 70%. Most people today live on 120%. And their debt is almost unsustainable. They're just paying the interest. God don't want you to live that way. So he wants, you, he wants you to be a joyful giver. He wants you to give generously. So a commitment is, I will give generously. I will be faithful to give. Point number six is, I will support my spiritual leaders. Let's see what the scripture says. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. It says, remember your leaders. Now, I got news for you. Leaders aren't perfect. They hurt like you hurt. They think like you do. Sometimes they spit and fire starts. What it's saying here is remember the things that you see in your leaders that are most like Christ. Remember your leaders. Honor your leaders. Over there in the 13th chapter, 17th verse of Hebrews, it says, Obey your leaders and make their ministry a ministry of joy 
Otherwise, it's not benefit for you. Now, I'm going to tell you about leaders. I, I've had the privilege with, with, to serve with a lot of great leaders. I mean, really great leaders. Some of you have read their books. Some of you have seen them on TV. Some of you have seen them in speaking engagements. But I'm going to tell you something. A lot of people take leaders, they can take them and leave the leaders. But leaders don't take and leave, and leave the people they lead. I have been with leaders when I've, and I've heard them pray for the people they lead. I've been with leaders and I've seen them cry for people they leave. They lead. I've been with leaders and I've seen them celebrate when the when the when the folks are doing well. I've seen them agonize over the people they lead. I was in a conference at Dr. Stanley's church years ago and had the privilege of praying with the leader of evangelism from the state of Oklahoma and he laid on the floor and he wept. He wept over a person he knew in the church he attended that he was just, he was, I mean, it, it, it scared. I was a layman at the time, and it scared me. I looked at this guy. i never seen a man cry like that. But he was genuinely heartbroken over an individual he knew in the church he attended that had kind of fallen. The Bible says, support your leaders. Otherwise, it's not a great benefit to you. One of these days, you're going to have a new pastor. He's not going to be perfect. He may not dot all of his I's and cross all his T's. But you support him. You surround him with love. No minister can never be more in a church than the church allows him to be. I can't tell you how grateful. It almost scares me how kind and loving, how so many of you have done the things I've asked you to do. And I'm humbled by the fellows and men and women who so weakly put the chairs up, take the chairs down, load this, load that, and they do it with a smile. And almost all of you are involved. That's what makes this church great. So, support you. I will support my leader. And then lastly, and this is very important, I will study the Bible in community. The verse of Scripture says this. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace not by eating ceremonial foods which are of no benefits to those who do so. Now, let me talk to you about these ceremonial, ceremonial foods. What it really means is don't get your teachings from other place than the Bible. One of the, one of the biggest problems a lot of times we have in churches today is people judge the, the Bible by their experiences. The Bible says, no, you need to judge your experiences by the Bible. How many of you all know that Satan can give you experiences? And I've had people that have been very argumentative. They've said no. And they're very contrary to what the Bible says. So what are you going to follow? You're going to follow your experience that Satan can give you? A false experience? In some circles, we call that false news, but we won't go there. Are you going to follow the teachings of the Bible? 
And the best place to study the Bible, you need to study it privately and have a quiet time. But you need to study it in community. And let me tell you what I mean by community. If you're not already part of a small group, you need to join a small group here in the church. You need to be part of a Sunday school class. We call them Bible study classes now. But when I came up, having been saved at 25, we call them Sunday school classes. I still call them Sunday school classes. If it was good enough for people 100 years ago, it's good enough for me today. But I don't care what you call it. You need to be part of a small group in your church, studying the Bible together. And the reason for that, it's in the small group that you can build relationships. It's in the small group that you can grow together. It's in the small But you should always, and I always taught classes where we had a semicircle. You all know what a semicircle is? That's a circle that's broken. And we kept it broken. I always put it in front of them. This is not a circle because a circle is closed. Our class will never be closed. It will only be open to anybody who wants to come. And they're going to be loved and they're going to be cared for. And they're going to be assimilated into the group. And they're going to become our best friends. And we're going to keep the circle open. And then every once in a while, do you all know what cancer is? Do you all know what cancer is? Cancer is a cell that's not healthy because it won't divide. And it affects other cells. Now, I've had the privilege of doing almost every kind of ministry there is. And at one time in one church, believe it or not, I was the minister of education. And I had this class. And it's a men's class. And they came to me my first month there and they said, Pastor, we want you to know something. This is our room. We got it the way we like it. We've been in this room for years. We started together as a young men's class. They were all my age. Now. Don't touch our class. That class is not there anymore. You know why the class is not there anymore? Now, this has been, remember, I've been here 20-something years. So this is a church I was in before I came here. So that's 20-something, 23, 24 years ago. They were in their 70s then. You know why that class no longer exists? They are, thank you. They all died. So what do you do? You got a cancer in the church. They're saying, hey, we love each other. It's us four no more. What you do, you start another class. And you put all the new folks in that class. And you just let them sit there, stew, soak, and sour, and have their little mini club that's doing nothing for the church. No, a healthy class grows a class and then it divides. We don't split classes, folks. We have a healthy divide. And we form new classes. And that's how you grow the church. And we love one another. And then every once in a while, the whole department gets together, because now it's a department, and you have a big picnic or something and just tell stories on each other. That's what you do. Because when you're my age, you sit on a tree and talk about your operations, but that's neither here nor there. But folks, if you're going to, if you're going to grow in Christ, you got to meet for worship. You got to share your faith. You got to find a place of service. You got to build your marriage. You got to give generously. You got to support your leaders. And you got to study the Bible in community. And this church is going to grow because hopefully that's what we're going to do. So as I close, I pray this morning that each of you in your heart, don't be worried about what the person on the right does or what the person on the left does. 
Just be concerned about what you do. Because when I stand before God, I'm not going to have to get, well, I am because pastors have to give an account for those they lead. But when I was layman, when I stand for God, I just had to give an account of how faithful I was. And so this morning, determine in your life that you're going to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That you're going to worship. That you're going to serve. That you're going to share your faith. That you're going to build your relationships. That you're going to support your leader. That you're going to give generously. And you're going to study the Bible in community. And then stand back and see what God's going to do in your life and what God's going to do at these campus. Now, if you're here, you can't grow. (laughs) You can't grow in Christ unless you belong to him. And so if you're here today and you know for absolute and you don't know absolutely sure that if you died right now, that you go to heaven, I want to ask you to, to pray to receive Christ this morning. And it's not that hard. It's really not. It's just a matter of saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I know that. And I need forgiveness. And I believe that Jesus is your son. He died for me on the cross. And he has the power to forgive my sins. So, Jesus, right now, I ask you to forgive me my sin. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. If you don't know for sure, if you have any doubts, if you're 99% sure but you're 1% not sure, don't trust your eternal destiny to that 1%. Pray that prayer. Then let us know. Let's pray now, and then we'll close the service. Father, we thank you for us being able to be here this morning. Lord, we pray that, Father, we'd all grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that each of us be all that we can be in the kingdom of God. And I pray, Father, that we would multiply ourselves. That, Father, that, Lord, that as we walk the highways and the byways. Then, Lord, you'd open opportunities for us to share our faith. That we might be faithful to your command to make disciples of all nations. Lord, I ask you to bless these that are here. I pray, Father, that even next week they'll be back and they'll bring somebody with them. That, Lord, that we might grow. And we don't want to grow, Father, just for the numbers. We want to grow, Father, because people need Jesus Christ. And we want to be all that we can be in the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, we thank you for everything you do for us. In Jesus Christ's name I do pray. Amen. If you're here this morning, I hope you filled this card out, especially if you're a guest. And if you're a guest of ours, we want you to know that we don't want you to be strangers. We want you to grow with us as we grow in Christ and serve Christ. But please fill this out and print please and put your name and address and today it says my response today to God's word if God has spoke to you about something just write it down on the card we have a prayer request here if you have a need in your life or there's somebody you know that has a need write down your prayer request I want you to know we read these every week and we pray over them we pray over them faithfully and then if you've made a decision today if you receive Christ just check that box 
If you'd like to have more information about how to start a personal relationship with Christ, check that box. If you'd like to be baptized, we do blue lip baptisms in this church. And usually it's my lips that are blue and, and those folks. But anyway, you know, those that have been baptized recently will know how cold the water is, but we'll try and heat it up. But check that box. If you'd like to join us, check that box. We had a new members class scheduled for afternoon, but nobody signed up. We're going to schedule one every week. I mean, every month. And if somebody signs up, we're going to have it. If nobody signs up, we'll just schedule again for next month. But every month, we're going to give you an opportunity to join this church. And then if you like a minister from the, a visit from a minister, check that box. And Peggy will call you tomorrow, and I'll see you tomorrow night. Anyway, if I get four or five of them, we'll schedule it along the way. But I promise you, I'll, I'll be there. I drink decaf coffee and sugar-free cookies. Talk to you later. <laughs>